You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all the work that you are doing. We thank you for the peace and the joy that we find in a relationship with you. We pray today uh, that we would uh, be open in our minds and our hearts towards your, the truths of your scripture and that it would bring about greater levels of change for our good and for all of your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, great being with you guys this morning. Um, I told you um, we, that uh, maybe you got a text message from me this, this week about our resource initiative. I want to share with that uh, with you. For those of you that are new, my name is Ryan. We've been in a resource initiative, and I'm excited to be able to share with you the, the results of that. But to remind you of what a, the resource initiative was and is and uh, what we'll be doing is the resource initiative was a strategic goal that we would raise uh, significant capital in order to better build up and to uh, fuel and to fund the ministries. That building that you drove in on the campus is the last building on the campus. It's the largest building on our campus. And we want to be able to use that for students uh, junior high, high school, North Valley Kids, and all the other ministries to give them the necessary space. Right now, the, the uh, junior high and high school have to meet outside. We've exceeded the capacity in our kids' building. So that resource initiative was to help fuel and fund that with a number of other projects on the campus. So uh, good news, bad news on the resource initiative. Uh, the bad news is, is we didn't quite hit our goal uh, to, for all of the projects we wanted to do. But the good news is, is that we raised through one-time gifts and a three-year pledge just a little over $500,000 above and beyond regular giving. So that's huge. Uh, so I'm, I believe that in the next few months um, are, that we'll see as more and more people join the church, maybe as people's financial uh, situation changes, more and more will participate and contribute and we'll be able to hit everything we wanted to do on that list and even more. Uh, so I just want to say as a lead pastor of the church, incredibly grateful, incredibly thankful um, to be partnered with you in what God wants to do at North Valley. And uh, it's exciting to do that. Yeah, we can celebrate that. So thank you, thank you for doing that. That's really going to bless not only our current ministries, but it enable us to expand more and more of the ministry and the missions here at North Valley Community Church. So it's really, really exciting to be able to do that. You'll see some changes starting to take place very quickly on the campus. And uh, if you want to ask any questions or you want to talk to me after a service or email me, Ryan at North Valley Church, I'm here to help. So, so glad to to be able to announce that news today. Hey, as well, I just want to say thank you for all you gave and serve uh, for Easter. It was our biggest Easter yet. It was the best Easter we've had. We baptized 14 people. They keep professor faith in Jesus on, through those services. And uh, it was really, really cool. So um, we had a bunch of services and it was just fantastic. So if you're new from Easter, so glad that you're here. Um, we're going to be jumping into a new message series called transformational thinking and thoughts that lead to success. And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to tell you kind of what we're going to be doing over the next 50 days or so. Uh, my prayer is, is that more and more your thought life would change, that more and more your thought life would change for the good and for God's glory. Um, 
Research says that we have, I think it's 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day uh, that flood through our, our thoughts, our minds, and that means that's a 35 to 48 thoughts per minute. So that's a lot of thoughts that go through your head. My question is, is what are you thinking about? Um, do you believe that all these thoughts that go through your head affect your relational life, your spiritual life, or potentially even your physical life? Research says, biblical research, scientific research says, absolutely. What you think about deeply impacts everything. Um, on this series, which is really cool, uh, we're having uh, Dr. Daryl Del Huse, the president of Phoenix Seminary, is a part of this. In fact, um, 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 Bob Lehman's going to be a part of this series. Uh, Pastor Bob um, joined, joined on our teaching team. And this is going to be a really, really great series. You're going to be able to receive, you're going to find out great books, recommendations, blogs. We're going to have a conference on the subject of mental health as well. Uh, Phoenix Seminary, we're partnering with Phoenix Seminary. I want to show it to you. You might mark this down on your calendar. It's called May Day Symposium. May Day, uh, the epidemic rise of anxiety, depression, and suicide. Um, research shows the thought life of the younger generation has great anxiety, lots of depression. It's the highest rate of suicide that we've ever seen in American history right now. Um, May Day, literally pun intended, I guess, um, but it is going to be a great uh, conference, symposium. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You can Google it online. Um, Dr. J.P. Moreland is going to be there. Uh, I'm going to quote and mention him in a book that I, I read this week in preparation for this message. Um, Kent Del Husay, he's taught here before, will be there. Um, uh, another, uh, another fo a few folks. Uh, Kathy McPherson, a specialist on adolescence and mental health. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. So, you know, here's the cool thing, though, is that our teaching team, Del Husay and, and Pastor Bob, are all joining in on this transformational thinking uh, series. Um, you guys, I want to remind you of what Bob looks like, though. Um, so here's a picture of Bob. You remember that guy. Some of you um, might say, gosh, he looks familiar. Where have I seen him before? Well, maybe if you went to the movies this weekend. I mean, I can make fun of him right now because he's not here. So, um, so um, how many of you guys went out and saw the movie, End Games? There you go. So don't tell anybody what it's like. So let me tell you what the movie's like. It's really cool. So uh, He-Man shows up, Mr. T. It's awesome. No, um, spoiler alert, it's not happening. But uh, Bob, Bob sent me those pictures, so it's good. He said, don't I look like Thanos? I'm like, you look like Thanos. This is going to be a great series. Um, what's interesting about the research, too, is even more significant, 80% of our thoughts are negative. That's bad. Um, research says as well that 98% of them are exactly the same thoughts that you had the day before. What were you thinking about yesterday? That's probably what you're thinking about today. In fact, here's just a, a proof of that. Where are you sitting? You're probably sitting where you sit every Sunday. You, everybody, we're creatures of habit. You're not just creatures of habit physically. You're creatures of habit mentally. And I want to help you understand the greatest aim that you could ever do as a Christian is take the mind and dedicate it to the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest commandment in all the scriptures is to love God with all your heart, soul, and your what? Mind. 
Okay. The mind is like a muscle. You've got to use it. J.P. Moreland, in his book called Loving God with All Your Mind, highly recommend the read, incredible read, read three or four books to help prep for this series. J.P. Moreland, he will also be at the May Day Symposium. I encourage you to check it out. He says this, the mind is like a muscle. You don't exercise it regularly, it weakens. It's the primary vehicle for making contact with God. Let me ask you a question. What are you thinking about? Have you ever thought that you could dedicate your mind to the Lord Jesus Christ and it could be the most God-glorifying experience ever? When I drop my kids off at school, I tell them, hey, today when you're at school, this is an act of worship. Learn everything you can and dedicate yourself to learning. And in doing so, you're glorifying God with your mind. Here's what D.A. Carson, Ph.D. professor of the New Testament, said on the commentary for Romans, the key passage in which we're going to be looking at today. He says this, the essence of successful Christian living, what is it? Is the renewing of our minds so that we might be able to approve what God's will is, that is to recognize and to put it into practice, God's will for every situation we face. Are you getting the gist of it? How important it is for you to realize the mind is crucial for you to live successfully, and what would Christian success look like? It would be at least fulfilling the great commandment, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. The mind is crucial. Um, back on J.P. Moreland in his book, you may want to pick it up. I found it interesting. He talked about the danger of low intellectual uh, periods in American history. He said in the 1880s, it was an incredibly intellectually shallow time period, theologically illiterate, biblically illiterate, and there began to uh, um, form a kind of a thoughtless Christianity. There was a lot of revivals that were breaking out. Thousands of people were responding to ri ri revivalist preaching, a lot of emotions, very low intellect. And if you noticed on my Easter message, I said five reasons to believe in Jesus. It's easy to get somebody to raise their hand and emotionally pull them in to a Christian movement, but what we need is a holistic model of evangelism and discipleship. Um, Moreland continues to critique history. He says, thousands of people responded to revivalist preaching, but there was no real grasp of Christian teaching. These people were susceptible and even formed cults such as Mormonism, Christian science, and Jehovah's Witness. If you look back on the history of those movements that split out of historical Christianity, 1830 Mormonism, 1866 Christian Science, and 1884 Jehovah's Witness. When you have a shallow-based faith, you are susceptible to all sorts of erroneous thought processes and false realities of the Christian faith. In fact, so doing so, the best thing you can do is learn from the Scriptures. In fact, if you go to a bank, the people that are trained to recognize a counterfeit, do you know how they train them? They just get them to look at the real thing over and over and over and over again. And they can spot any counterfeit. So the passage that we're going to be looking at and renewing the mind is the formation and the foundation for this series. 
It is much a uh, look at the uh, Pauline theology on what it means to have a transformed life, transformed thinking, renewed mind. He says this in Romans 12.1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. So he's speaking to Christians. He's saying, I'm appealing to you by the mercy of God, referring back to Jesus' mercy, dying on the cross in our place, substitutionary atonement, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice. Your whole life is an act of worship, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your whole life is an act of worship. Paul's saying that. And you're to present your life to Jesus, your work to Jesus, your family to Jesus, your, your vocation to Jesus. Everything you've got, you give to him, and that's your act of worship. It's holistic. But then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? transformed by, how do you do it? How do you become transformed? He says, by the renewal of your mind, that this renewal of the mind is a, in the grammar, it is a keep on being transformed mindset. It means that it's a present passive imperative. It means that you need to keep on doing it. So the word transform, backing up just a little bit, is the transform is the same word that's used for transfigure in Matthew's gospel when he's referring to Jesus' transfiguration. And the, the English language where we get the word transform is metamorphous. Totally change. It's a change within. How many of you guys like butterflies? No, don't raise your hand. How many of you ladies like butterflies? Okay. Guys, how many of you like uh, the locusts or the, those things? Uh, what are they called? The cicadas. They, they, like, they live underground. They look nasty and gnarly for 13 years, and then they come out, and they turn into this army-winged creature. And they, they, just, they look like army little bugs. When I was a kid, I'd build armies and be like, fuck. There's a transformation. That same word is a metamorphosis. It's a totally, it's a change from within. Did you know that God wants to change you within? Being transformed is something that we need to keep on being and then we need to do something though. The first is, is you can't conform. You can't conform to the world. The world wants to change you. The world wants to change your buying habits. The, want, the world wants to change what you, what, you, um, what you do, where you go, everything. There's a change without, and Paul says, resist that. Do not conform to the world. You ought to look countercultural to the world, but be transformed. So the Holy Spirit can change your mind by releasing power within if the world wants to control you, then you become a conformer. If the Holy Spirit controls you, you become a transformer. Look out, Optimus Prime. You become a transformer. So you say, okay, so how do I become transformed? The Apostle Paul said, let's look at the scripture. By what? By the renewing, the renewal of your mind. So that's where we're going to look at today. What does it mean that by the renewal of the mind? Five steps to review your mind. First, some of you might say, what's wrong with my mind? Something wrong with my mind? 
The answer is yes, something is wrong with your mind. Or the Apostle Paul wouldn't say, renew it. It's, an, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, this would be a good idea. No, you must do it. You might say, well, how does my mind become renewed? Or how can I renew my mind? Or what, how could God participate or intervene to renew my mind? Number one, to renew the mind, you must realize the problem. This is where scientific research and biblical research are against each other. Scientific research, new age material that you'll read about will talk about how you were born good and that the mind is great and the only reason why your mind is messed up is because you just lack education or something happened to you. But I'm here to tell you the biblical perspective is is something happened in you. You were born into sin. Your thoughts are not like God's thought. Number one, realize the problem. Scripture says for, Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God's thoughts are holy, righteous, and pure. Your thoughts are not always holy, righteous, or pure, right? If we took every thought that you had, 50 to 70,000 thoughts, and put them on a big screen, rolling them out through the day, a lot of those thoughts you'd be ashamed of. The problem is, is that our thoughts are not like our thoughts. We must acknowledge that and realize that sin has infected and affected everything. Everything in our whole world. Sin has entered the world and it has infected and impacted negatively the whole world, all of creation, including the mind. Satan is, darkens the mind, dampens the mind, tricks the mind, deceives the mind. The mind is in need of repair. This is what the Apostle Paul talked about, part of the problem. He identifies and he says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles, those that did not profess faith in Jesus. He was contrasting the Jews and the Gentiles. God had a promise to work through the Jews and he's working through the Jews, but he says, don't walk as that. And then in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. He talks about the futility of the mind. He's acknowledging there's a problem. But then he goes on in verse 23 and he talks about being renewed. Look what it says. But be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Let me pause right there. What in the world is he talking about? The spirit of the mind? Does the mind have a spirit? No, the mind does not have a spirit. But the mind has, the, the original language and the understanding is the mindset. And we need renewed in a mindset. We all have mindsets. You have a default where you go back into a mindset. 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 98% of those are the same thoughts you had the day before. You need a renewal, the Apostle Paul says, renewed in the spirit of your minds. Then put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's the great news of Christianity. You don't have to just fix yourself. You can rely upon the Holy Spirit to help fix you. Number two, how do you do that? How do you renew the mind? You must rely on the Holy Spirit. Relying on the Holy Spirit is essential. The Apostle Paul says this to the church in Corinth, and we with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
The older you get in your Christian life, the more and more you ought to be transformed. Good news is, is the Holy Spirit can do this in and through you. As you simply lift up your hands and say, Lord, take my work today. Take the decisions that I have. Take my family. Take my friendships, my relationships. Take my resources. I want to rely upon you for everything I've got right now. Transform me. Relying on the Holy Spirit. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're filled from the time you believe in Jesus with the Holy Spirit. You can't be separated. He's the omniscient, omnipotent, 24-7 counselor in your life. Rely on him. You must rely on him. In Titus 3, 5, the Apostle Paul continues with the importance of understanding the renewal of the Holy Spirit and links it back to salvation. He says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. And that word regeneration is the same kind of context as transformation. And he says, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You need renewed. You've got to be renewed. Some of you are way outdated and you just need to be renewed. It's like a software program. You're running it over and over and over again and it's going so slow and it doesn't work so great. And somebody comes along and you're like, hey, you can just get an upgrade. It's right here. And then you're like, wow, it operates so much smoother. You need renewal. The Apostle Paul says that we need this renewal of the Holy Spirit. Number three, you need to fill your mind. Contrary to New Age and mystic and some Eastern forms of religion, the pathway to renewal is to empty your mind, clear your mind. Christian teaching teaches totally different. Yeah, you need to reject things that are not right and wrong, but you need to fill your mind. Here's what the scripture says in the Old Testament. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What does it mean to meditate on it? It means that you need to think about it all the time. What are you filling your mind with? What do you think about all the time? If your input of mind is television, music, godless or not good literature, novels, whatever be the case, that's going to be the outcome of your whole thought process. It will not fill you up. You need a meditation, a thinking about. The word meditate means to literally chew the cud, as you could imagine what chewing the cud could be. It's like if you ever seen a cow go to the field, it eats the grass and it chews it up, swallows the food, takes it down for nutrition and then spits it back up. Oh, that's gross. And then it chews it again and then it gets it down again. God's word needs to be like that. You need to fill yourself with God's truth over and over again. And you just do it and you say, man, I learned something today. I'm going to write that down. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. I need help. I want to meditate on this truth. I'm going to talk to my kids about this. I'm going to talk to my friends about this. I want to put this maybe in a journal, but you're filling your mind. I think for us to not acknowledge that filling of the mind would not include other forms of education would be a short-sighted view of what, how Jesus wants Christians to interact into society. 
when we look at the scriptures and case studies of individuals that learned the scriptures but also learned and educated themselves in other philosophies or other educational systems. I think of the Apostle Paul who understood the philosophers of his day and was able to dialogue and intelligently present Jesus Christ as the Messiah and he studied other philosophers. Okay? I think about Daniel in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were taken into captivity and what did they do? For several years they studied all sorts of literature, all sorts of knowledge to gain a good understanding. And then it says in Daniel 1.17, God gave them learning and skill in all literature, wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Under the providential plan of God, if you are a teacher, become a master teacher. Learn from all sorts of areas of truth. Take the Bible as the base, but learn everything. If you're a doctor, take medicine, study medicine, exercise the intellect, use it for the glory of God. You can have a, you can have a psychiatrist that is prescribing medication and God can use a non-believing psychiatrist to help a believer because they understand the science, the mind, the body, and they're using it under God's big theological category of God's common grace and God's providence. My encouragement to you when we talk about filling the mind, first and foremost, take the scriptures, but don't be blind to the rest of your education, educational needs. The Bible does not answer everything about astrology. The Bible doesn't answer everything about neuroscience. The Bible gives us the basic understanding that there is a redeemer, that man has a great problem called sin, and there is great hope. But as John Calvin and St. Augustine said, all truth is really God's truth. He's the author. He's the perfecter. My exhortation to you is what is your field of study? Students, could you go to school in general education and say, I'm going to study mathematics, science, reading, and writing for the glory of God? My answer would be yes. You should do that. If you're in finance, study everything, learn everything. Whatever your trade is, learn that. Do it all for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for working for the Lord, not for men. Number four, how would you renew the mind? You filter your mind. I don't know how much television you watch. I don't know how much screen time your kids have. But I do know that we barely understand the ramifications and the impact for these younger generations. The research is just now starting to get out about the enormous problem where we have the most digitally connected generation ever, most socially isolated generation ever, the highest rates of suicide ever in American history. And if there is no filter for what we take into our eyes or listen to in our ears, then we are damaging and destroying the greatest resource of Christianity, and that is the mind. So you think, wow, Ryan, you sound like a major intellect. I'm actually not. Um, I'm a practical thinker. I do think, and I'm a testimony of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit when I was in high school, I could barely make the SAT scores to get into college because I, I, I screwed, all, screwed around, messed up, didn't pay attention to education. My dad 
a Christian psychiatrist sits me down and says, you're going nowhere in life educationally, son. If you don't get with it, you're, you're not going to have a good job at all. So I said, okay, I'll apply myself just a little bit. Passed, graduated high school, woo, walked across that floor. I was like, this is the pinnacle of my success right now. So excited. Barely could get into college. I said, no, you're, you're, you're in Arkansas. They say, you're dumber than a box of rocks. Or you're not the sharpest tool in the tool shed. I'm like, I know. I just didn't apply myself. I become a Christian and I say, God, if you could change one thing about me, change my mind. Change everything about it. The way I think is wrong and ungodly. And I don't love people. I get angry at people. And I don't, I don't learn well. I need to learn. And I believe God did do that. And then I went to college and guess what? I made the dean's list. All A's and B's. Um, people would say, well, how are you doing in school? And they'd come over to my house and I have books of systematic theology and languages and uh, politics and economics. And my friends would be like, dude, you are a nerd. And I'd be like, thank you very much. God has changed my mind. And I fell in love with learning. Then I went on from there and I got two master's degrees at Dallas Seminary, one of the hardest seminaries in uh, master's education. I got two of those degrees. And who would I credit it to? I would credit it to the Holy Spirit's work. In that passage, we looked at regeneration, the renewal of the mind. And I dedicated myself filtering the mind. And for you, you've got to filter the mind. You need to feed it with good and godly truth, learning from all sorts of sciences and uh, truth and knowledge. And then, but you must filter it. What is good and godly, what is right, what is helpful. You can be a parent and go out and go to the Barnes and Noble book section and pick up a book on parenting and you have no idea, but you're reading totally erroneous, heretical truth saying, which is not truth, saying that your child is born good and the environment has corrupted your child and therefore you need to do A, B, and C. You must learn how to filter knowledge. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, for, our, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. He's talking about arguments against them. And every loft of opinion raised against the knowledge of God, filtering it against the knowledge of God, and every thought captive to obey Christ. If you're a note taker, outline maker, just a few things to filter the mind Capture it. Capture whatever it is that comes across your mind. If there is something, if you are a Jesus-believing Christian and you say, something doesn't sound right on that, write that down. What do you do with it from there? You check it. You check that thought. You check that word. You check that message. You check that instruction that you got or whatever that came across your mind. You check it according to Scripture. Do I see this in Scripture? Is this true in Scripture? And then lastly, you change it. Filtering the mind means that you capture it, you check it, and then you change it. Whatever needs changing, change. Biblical word for change is repentance. If you have a thought that's feeding your mind, that's negative, wrong, ungodly, it needs to be kicked out. It's like taking the bad furniture out of the house that stinks and ugly, it's bad. Get it and you throw it out. Some of you just... Give it to goodwill and say, I hope somebody else likes it. You get rid of it, 
but you got to put new stuff back in. You change it. You change the thoughts that you're having. You can do that. And number five, I'd say focus the mind. From Old Testament to New Testament, this is truth. The prophet Isaiah says this to the Lord, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you trust the Lord with your situation? Is your mind on him? How often is your mind on the Lord? And what's the reality? What's the result? The result is peace. When you can say out of a pure heart, Lord, I'm trying my best to keep my mind on you. I've made a habit of waking in the morning and reading your word, going to you in prayer, of filling my mind with truth. I'm setting my eyes on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Then you can walk in this level of peace that the prophet Isaiah talks about as you trust in the Lord. So what are we going to do for the next six weeks? Transformational thinking. I want to draw your attention to one passage, and we're going to do exegetical work on the passage for myself, Pastor Bob, and um, Pastor Daryl Del Husay. Um, we've all teamed up together to do this series. You're going to get opportunities to read books, go to a conference, um, read blogs. Pastor Craig has written a bunch on this subject from a scientific standpoint and a spiritual understanding rooted in Scripture. You'll see a blog series being unfolded, but we're going to work through this passage right here, Philippians 4.8. The Apostle Paul says six things to think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what? Think about these things. So we'll look at next week, what is true? What does truth look like? How do I think about truth? Where does truth come from? How can I know if it's truth? Whatever is true. We live in a society where it's hard to know what's true and what's false. And the mind needs to be wrapped around in thinking about and dwelling upon truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the simplicity and the special revelation that you have revealed through over 40 different authors and 66 books and one continual theme of your great love and commitment to us and that there is a pathway forward in this life and your revealed will is our greatest ambition to renew our mind so that we can bring glory to you, understanding what your will is and living in that uh, for your glory and it's for our good. I pray, Father, for the next uh, just even few minutes as we're here, Lord, to allow your Holy Spirit to minister in us and through us. We thank you that you're greatly committed to us, permanently indwelling through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring illumination to the things that are in our thought life. And Lord, I pray today, even today, there might be a little inventory check of the thoughts in order that they might just crack the door open for renewal and restoration. 
and perhaps even regeneration, a total changeover from darkness to light. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.